The following program is a paid advertisement. The views reflected on this show are not necessarily the views of ESPN 1000. Doctor? 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 You're listening to Sports Medicine Weekly with Steve Cashel and Dr. Brian Cole on ESPN 1000. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to another edition of Sports Medicine Weekly. I'm Steve Cashel, radio host of the Chicago Bulls. In a few minutes, I'll be joined by my co-host, Dr. Brian Cole, head team physician for the Chicago Bulls and sports medicine specialist and orthopedic surgeon for Midwest Orthopedics at Rush and Rush. University Medical Center. This week, as we normally do, we're going to discuss a number of sports injury-related topics, including the use of allografts and Dr. Brian Cole's practice. Often on this show, we talk about allografts. We're going to tell you what allografts are and some of the insights into the selection process a doctor might use when deciding whether allografts are the best option in treating a patient. Also, introduce you to Graston technique. That's a type of manual therapy as Dorothy Cohe from Athletico Doctor of Physical Therapy joins us to uh, tell us more about breaking up some of that uh, scar tissue. Dr. Cole will give us his thoughts about scar tissue as well. So a lot to do here on Sports Medicine Weekly. Stay with us. Back to get it going right after this on ESPN Radio. Feeling tired, sluggish, and overweight? If you're looking to lose weight and gain energy, join us in Karen Mulkin's 14-Day Transformation Cleanse. You're going to absolutely love this Whole Foods cleanse. You'll feel great, lose weight, build lean muscle, improve sleep, boost metabolism, and enhance athletic performance. This VIP done-for-you cleanse comes with a 14-day transformation wellness bag containing MCT Lean Vegan Protein Blend, Fat-Burning MCT Lean MCT Oil, Snack superfoods, recipes, guidelines, videos, and other surprises. You will absolutely love this program. Sign up at 14daytransformation.com. That's the numbers 14daytransformation.com or visit Karen's website at karenmalkin.com. That's K-A-R-E-N-M-A-L-K-I-N.com. You're listening to Sports Medicine Weekly with Steve Cashel and Dr. Brian Cole on ESPN 1000. Back on Sports Medicine Weekly, net proceeds from our program, Sports Medicine Weekly, go to support orthopedic research at Rush through the liveactivenow.org fund. I'm Steve Cashel with Dr. Brian Cole. Dr. Cole, let me give you a um, little hypothetical here, all right? Well, maybe it happens for you more often than not. You've got 30 minutes to work out. Do you lift weights or do you do cardio? What would you do? Well, for me, it depends on what I did the day before, to yeah. be honest, and what I've what I've missed out on. So, if I feel like I've just been, you know, nutritionally unsound and haven't had cardio, I'll do some like ten minutes of core, no matter what, and then do cardio. And for me, it'll be the erg, or I'll run. So, um, if I've had pretty good cardio for a few days, and I haven't, you know, if time has been an issue, I have allowed the time. I've, if I've allowed time to be the issue, because that's really the thing. You say I don't have the time. No, you've allowed time to become the issue, so you just got to make it happen. Let's assume that that's what goes on. I will then, you know, do lifting and, you know, and then I try to be efficient. You know, I'll do, actually, I'll go more. If I've missed out, I'll go more basic, like push-ups, pull-ups, you know, a sit-up routine, physio ball, body weight stuff. I don't go, you know, to the wall with with heavy weight if I haven't worked out, mainly because I think I could be really efficient with body weight exercises, right or wrong, I don't know. But if I'm in a routine, then I'm kind of, you know, mixing it up quite a bit. 
you know, working out, and I try to at least three times a week, four if I can. I never really get to work out on the weekends because of the kids' sports and right. everything and the family duties. But uh, I always have a ton of questions. That's why I love this show because we get to uh, bounce things off of experts. Sure. We've got an expert with us in studio here, Cole Cruz, the owner of Coalition Training, a certified personal trainer, has a, a large clientele. And right here in Chicago, Cole, thanks for joining us here on Sports Medicine Weekly. So kind of want to talk about fat loss versus uh Versus muscle, um, you know, I want to ask you that same question. So, you know, let's say that uh, we've got 30 minutes, all right? You heard what Dr. Cole would say. Tell me what I should do. If I, let's say, I have, let's say it's a Monday, I haven't worked out Saturday or Sunday, and I'm starting new for the week. What should I do in the 30 minutes allotted? Uh, I mean, I would tell you to, I would tell you to lift the weights. Uh, even if it's just in a circuit style, you can get your heart rate up a lot of different ways. I think that's one of the misconceptions that you speak of is uh, – is that people assume that by hopping on a treadmill, that's your cardio. You can get your cardio up any different way. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think I, 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 that's that's very true. On your own, people have a hard time doing it, you know, which is why some of the interval stuff, even with lifting, is really good. But you could make yourself want to basically want to puke if you if you need to just by lifting sure. if you're doing it the right way. It's very hard to do on your own, though. Absolutely. Don't you think? I mean, it can be. It depends. I mean, that's why people go to classes. That's why people go to trainers, I guess. I think if you keep it short enough, you give the incentive to, hey, all I got to do is push through this 12 minutes. All I got to do is push right. through three sets of you know, three-minute intervals, things like that, Where as opposed to cardio where I'm going for 20 minutes or I'm going for a half hour. You just got to break it up different ways, and that's more of a not having access to how things actually work as opposed to you know, someone giving you a way to do it. Yeah. So what's the best way to lose the weight? I mean, what's the fat loss versus the uh, tearing the muscle? Fat loss versus muscle gain. So I always, I think the biggest thing is the perception. I think people always think about losing weight. It's dropping calories. It's uh, it's adding more workouts. And I, that's great, but to a certain point, you can only drop so many calories and you can only add so many workouts. At some point, you're going to run out of time or run out of space. There's not enough for both. So I, I've noticed with the people that I focus on, Adding muscle, doing circuits that are high intensity in terms of lifting, uh, end up focusing more on their nutrition because simply because they're trying to fuel their bodies better. So it ends up being a perception. It's not necessarily that one's better than the other. I just noticed that with the clients that focus on developing muscle a little bit more, they end up following through on other things that support their development as opposed to people that just go for that calorie burn. Yeah, I mean, there's a couple of basic principles. A, if you can turn your body into a furnace you do a whole lot better. So if I had to pick muscle building and leanness, if you will, I would to get more lean, if that's your goal, mm-hmm. I would probably choose muscle over anything. And the other thing is that a calorie is not a calorie. That that concept is sort of done with just we as a, you know, the, the public has to know that, you know? Absolutely. I mean, you can say I'm going to do a calorie-restricted diet and still be a, if you will, a skinny fat person, oh, right? You probably see that a lot. Mm-hmm. And people just don't understand that, you know, having visceral fat and, and you may not see it, but it can be there and it, it's basically what and how you're eating. And that's why we we do a lot of nutrition on the show for that very reason. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's, uh, I, I agree with everything you just said for sure. Yeah. Visiting with Cole Cruz. He's with us from Coalition Training, a certified personal trainer right here in Chicago. His website is Coalition Training Chicago. Com. I'm Steve Cashel with uh, Dr. Brian Cole. So, Cole, I wanted to ask you, uh, I'm on the treadmill or I'm on the elliptical, and I see that I've burned supposedly 450 calories on the counter. How accurate are those machines? 
completely inaccurate. Is it, that right? There's just no way for it to be able to, to tell. Even ones that are on your body with a heart rate monitor or uh, any sort of new biotech that comes out, like, there's no way for it to accurately give you that. And that shouldn't be the focus anyways. If you're doing the right things, the calories become inconsequential. Like you said, the calorie is not a calorie. If you do the right things, your body will react. How, how do you know when you're doing the right things? I mean, I'm on the treadmill, and I don't like to run. I'm not a runner. But I can walk. Is it is it is it steep? You know, you put the steep incline. Is that an effective workout? Because the elliptical is not getting me much. I I would tell you to walk over using an elliptical simply because we are made to walk. An elliptical is a little more force movement. Uh, we don't naturally glide. We naturally walk, right? Uh, so if you had to pick between the two, I would definitely tell you to do a treadmill. Uh, and it's again, it's not that one's better than another. If you walk on an incline, that's great. But that I would consider that more of a recovery workout. Like if you do your three days of good work and then you walk down the treadmill for two days as your recovery for a half hour, that would be awesome. I think that'd be great, and that'd be a really good workout for those days. Uh, you do a lot of cardio, Dr. Cole? Uh, enough. I can always do more. You know, I feel like I could, but I, I have to agree with Cole. I think that you know I always resort back to cardio because it's the one thing I feel like I you know, c- can consistently get my heart rate up. But when I'm working out hard, especially when I'm with a trainer, um, I'm feeling pretty confident that I'm getting as good of a workout from a cardio point of view. I mean, look, there are plenty of philosophies out there that are, you know, treadmill-free, cardio-free, if you will, um, uh, training, where there's none of that. I don't. I wouldn't want to eliminate it just because I enjoy it, uh, and it's not a bad thing necessarily if you can tolerate it. But I think if you had to pick one thing, uh, probably the smart thing is to work on muscle and 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 and, and doing an efficient workout where you get, keep your heart rate up the whole time and do it with good principles and good form. Cole Cruz, any other uh, misconceptions out there, or myths out there that uh, you like to uh, tell us about that you think people, you know, the average uh, typical weekend warrior or typical population that gets into that uh, maybe they're, you know, on the wrong track? Uh, I mean, I think just giving yourself uh, a chance to break and finding what works best for you. I think people just put their head down and go sometimes, and you've got to listen to your body. And we've talked about recovery before. I think that's a very underrated aspect of letting your body heal, letting it build upon all the work that you're doing, and then go ahead and building on that step-by-step step, as opposed to one big plunge. All right, so let me ask you, you take on a um, an individual for your personal training business. Uh, what do you do? You sit down and have a little consultation. What are you trying to do, or are you trying to guide them, uh, What you know, obviously based on the, kind of their feedback? I mean, where does it go? Where does it start? Uh, I mean, it just starts, it's simple. I give everyone a free half hour, a free hour when they come in, and we'll go through a typical session. Uh, a lot of the time I'm assessing how they move uh, just to see if they have any deficits side to side, unilateral differences, things like that. Uh, and you get to know them better and get to know their goals throughout that time, and then they kind of get a better idea of what your plan is for them. Most people fall into a very similar category of wanting to gain a little muscle, wanting to trim up a little bit of fat, and just wanting to be healthy overall. So it's fairly easy to design that, and then just along the way you learn about them, and that's kind of what the most important thing is some people it's they want to be able to do a pull-up some some have performance goals some have just sheer vanity goals and that's just uh it's just something you learn along the way you just got to ask questions terrific dr cole cole cruz appreciate you guys uh being with us in, in the studio i'm steve cashel it's fun once again the website is coalitiontrainingchicago.com our guest cole cruz the owner of coalition training thanks so much cole for being with us Back with more of Sports Medicine Weekly after these messages. On ESPN Radio. 
I'd been having knee pain for quite some time and did what probably a lot of people do. I just ignored it and hoped it would go away. After a month, I couldn't take the pain anymore. I went to my family orthopedic. He told me that I needed physical therapy. When I received my prescription for therapy, the first thing I did was search PT companies online. I came across ATI Physical Therapy. It's close to home, has some great reviews, and when I called, they verified my insurance and scheduled me right away. No wait, everything was so easy, and the staff was great. They kept my doctor informed of my progress along the way. Honestly, I look forward to going to my appointments. ATI made me feel like my recovery was their most important priority. I'd recommend them to anyone needing physical therapy. The experience was something I'll never forget. To learn more about what it's like to be a patient at ATI Physical Therapy, visit ATIPT.com and start your journey to get back to your best today. ATIPT.com. Midwest Orthopedics at Rush is nationally recognized as a leader in comprehensive orthopedic services. As team physicians for the Chicago Bulls, Chicago White Sox, and Chicago Fire Soccer Club, their physicians understand the importance of quality care for high-performance athletes and weekend warriors. Regardless of the level of the athlete, recreational, high school, college, or even professionals, Midwest Orthopedics at Rush strives to provide the highest quality, state-of-the-art health care services. To better serve their patients, they provide expert care across five Chicagoland locations with a new location in Munster, Indiana. Their cutting-edge research, diagnosis, methods, and treatments make them the highest-ranked program in the state of Illinois by U.S. News and World Report rankings. For more information or to schedule an appointment, visit them at RushOrtho.com or call 877-MD-BONES. Midwest Orthopedics at Rush, when only the best will do. You're listening to Sports Medicine Weekly on ESPN 1000. We're back on this Saturday morning, Sports Medicine Weekly. Steve Cashel, Dr. Brian Colnett. Proceeds from our program, Sports Medicine Weekly, go to support orthopedic research at Rush through the liveactivenow.org fund. Often on the show, we talk about allografts, and Dr. Cole. Uh, I want you to describe for the audience what allografts are. Okay, yeah, we, it's a good thing to do because we talk about you know the use of tissue all the time, and so autographs are the use. Of, so, what's a graft? A graft is um, something that can be used to reconstruct a problem. So, in the uh, when the anterior cruciate ligament or the ACL is torn, we reconstruct it with a graft. You can use an autograph where we, for example, take the hamstrings or a central third, the middle of the patella tendon with a little piece of bone on each end and use that as a graft to reconstruct. From the person's same body. From the body. same person. And that's auto, meaning from the same. Okay. okay. Autograph. Coming from the patient. Correct. Then there's allograft, which is when it comes from a donor. And these are typically, uh, depending on the nature of the graft, they're grafts which are uh, uh, the same types of donors as we've talked about that can often donate heart, liver, and lungs and usually die of traumatic injury, have no significant history of chronic chronic disease. They're tested to be free of HIV, hepatitis, and things like that. And through donor screening and, and, and proper uh, uh, me- uh, uh, methodology, the chance of disease transmission is, is, is not far from zero, but it's not zero, okay? And then we use that tissue to reconstruct various uh, um, t- areas where there's compromise in a ligament or a tendon or or in many cases, like we've talked about, when there's a cartilage issue, we can use donor cartilage to replace cartilage that could be damaged in, in you, for example. So an allograft is simply tissue that comes from another individual that's placed into a patient. All right, so what are some insights into the selection process a doctor might use when deciding when allografts are the best option uh, treating a patient? Well, it's very sort of disease-specific or problem-specific, and then there's all kinds of different factors. So let's use, uh, say, the anterior cruciate ligament. Um, 
Allografts have been used for uh, decades, donor tissue, to reconstruct the anterior cruciate ligament. And there's a lot of research that says, look, are allografts better or worse than, say, autografts or tissue coming from your from your from your from the patient him or herself and and it's interesting depending on what and who you read uh, there may be subpopulations, for example, that don't do as well statistically when you use donor tissue. And in this case, there's some data that says, well, maybe the young active male collision athlete uh, patient could have a slightly higher percentage of re-tears after using allograft tissue, but everybody else it might be just fine. And, 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 and there's also regional differences around the country in how people choose based upon their preferences. You know, the, the, but the great thing about allograft tissue is when it's the proper choice is that there's no morbidity or, or downside or surgical impairment that comes because you're not taking it from the patient. So when we do an allograft ACL reconstruction, for example, patients have very, very little pain. We do it through three one-centimeter incisions. I mean, it's, they can't even believe that they now have a new ACL through these tiny little incisions. And our results have actually shown uh, to be a, a very successful operation comparable to, a, say, a patella tendon graft where you take it from the same patient. Uh, so uh, that's one way. Then the other way, you know, we've, we've in cartilage work, we use allografts not infrequently. Uh, when we have a cartilage defect, there's loss of that lining of the joint, especially when there's bony involvement, because you can actually transplant the bone and the cartilage. And there's all types of different allografts. The tumor uh, uh, specialists use allografts to reconstruct, you know, massive defects around the body because you have to remove all the, the diseased tissue. You're left with this void in tissue, so we use allografts to reconstruct those voids. So it's been it's been pretty revolutionary in our field to use someone else's tissue when donated and screened to reconstruct uh, uh, t tissue defects and so forth. How long have you been doing this? You know, I neglected to mention, but, you know, we've been doing, say, meniscal transplants for more than 20 years, um, ACL reconstruction with grass for, you know, I at least that long. So when I came here, the one thing that didn't exist is we didn't really have an algorithm, you know, a way of thinking about, for example, how do we manage cartilage problems in the young patient because we didn't have all these options. Now that we've learned so much about the use of allografts in terms of how we decide the size, uh, how we protect it and keep it fresh so that the cells are living and can do their thing when they go from the donor to the recipient. Um, we've done, you know, at least a dozen studies at Rush, for example, uh, collaborating with our basic scientists uh, to sh look how to preserve these graphs, how to optimally fit them, how to fix them, and so forth. So we're doing better than ever, even though they've been around for a long time. Now they're very, very commonly used around the country. And the one challenge is outside the U.S., they don't often have allograft programs. So they really um, um, have difficult decisions to make because they don't have the same opportunities that we have here uh, within the United States. You know, on a weekly basis on this show, you mentioned the advances you have witnessed in cartilage, allografts, and stem cells. Do you see this being the, uh, the future of allografts? You know, the one thing that allografts have to its advantage is that a lot of the new technology has to go through the FDA, and the ability to get new products, biologics, and so forth through the FDA is a huge challenge when it falls into various categories. The great thing about allograft or donor tissue is that it doesn't generally go through the FDA process and doesn't have that regulatory burden. So it keeps the costs in line, which is consistent with our healthcare system, and we can deliver things today rather than going through these clinical studies. And we've been following patients now with reporting outcomes for, for decades, so we know they're safe and we know they're effective, and they never had to go through the trials of, of these clinical trials, which can cost $30, 40000000 million. So uh, it's very, uh, it's the, the, we, 
we're looking for more and more ways to use allograft tissue, uh, A, because it works, and B, because it's a, it's a wonderful gift of, of hope and life from uh, someone who often dies of a, 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 a tragedy, and it's a way to sort of to give back in that, in that awful situation. And, um, and it, it provides an opportunity to solve problems that we really never had before. So I think I know the answer to this next question. I'm sure you've been satisfied then with the outcomes your patients have realized, right, by using the allografts? Yeah, I mean, we've actually uh, recently published the use of, say, meniscus transplants in uh, high-level athletes. We've done the same thing recently and reported on uh, the use of osteochondral grafts, that's bone and cartilage grafts, in elite-level athletes. So we're pretty confident when the indications are good. Look, nothing we do is ever 100%. But if we can achieve 75 to 85% results... Uh, with that kind of patient satisfaction expected, then we're doing very well. But, you know, truth be told, there's an operation that we do that will yield 100% predictable outcome. But this is way better than 50% and probably better than 75% as long as the indications are really in the decision-making is proper. And finally, uh, as a team physician, like you are with the Chicago Bulls, Chicago White Sox, Dr. Cole, treating professional athletes, do you consider allografts uh, as an option uh, for treating them? Yeah, they absolutely can be. You know, there have been situations, for example, uh, where we have ACL reconstruction where, you know, there's no more tissue left. There are guys who have had both sides That's reconstructed. That's what they say, it's bone on bone? No, 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 no. no? They, they've had the tissue used to reconstruct the ACL already, and they don't have a lot of options, so we end up oh, using okay. an allograft, and that can work as well as their own tissue. Gotcha. But again, we have to be, you know, we're very selective. We look at age. We look at the activity level. Uh, you know, and we've got to find the tissue banks. You know, you know, we primarily work with Allosource because they have the tissue. They're really accurate in their measurements, and there's no con- their, their their processes and the, and the quality issues are are as good as we've ever seen. So you have to have a level of confidence and know your tissue bank well, and that's why I've been using for more than 20 years. The use of allografts in Dr. Brian Cole's practice. Interesting stuff. Back with more of our show after this on ESPN Radio. Returning patients who suffer from cartilage defects to an active lifestyle is the goal. Prochondrix, the latest solution from Allosource, is an innovative, cost-effective, fresh cartilage allograft designed to restore cartilage and restore life. To learn more about Prochondrix or allografts, visit Prochondrix.org. That's P-R-O-C-H-O-N-D-R-I-X.org. You're listening to Sports Medicine Weekly on ESPN 1000. Back on Sports Medicine Weekly, you can follow us on Twitter at SMW Home. We have a Facebook page as well. Steve Cashel, Dr. Brian Cole, talking about the latest in sports medicine. Dr. Cole, when you prescribe uh, physical therapy, uh, is it typical exercise? Do you recommend a personal trainer going to a uh, a physical therapy facility, what's in it? I mean, you know, it's a lot different. Physical therapy is often, you know, in the acute or early phases of intervention. So obviously post-surgery, you know, there's a knowledge base there that where they they understand the anatomy, they understand when there's surgical repair, you know, things that have to be relatively protected and sort of worked around to, to regain strength, range of motion, minimize swelling and things like that. And but it's not, and, and then also the office-based stuff that you know people come in and they need to be properly trained. And while trainers can occasionally do that, there's not always the same knowledge of the anatomy that the, the physical therapists have from a training perspective. But you know, Steve, it's not always exercise. There are there are what we call modalities and manual techniques that complement what. Uh, would normally be construed as sort of exercise guided at the problem. And that's actually really important. And that's one of the areas that they, you know, are properly trained. And oftentimes they get sub-certifications in these different areas. One type of manual therapy is called Graston 
a grassland technique. And we, with us in studio is a grassland certified facility manager from Athletico, Dorothy Cohey. Dorothy, thanks for, for joining us. Um, can you explain the Graston technique? Yeah, the Graston technique is like what we'd consider a form of manual therapy. So it's a hands-on sort of um, treatment with a patient and it involves different instruments. Graston, there's a couple other forms of this. Graston particularly uses stainless steel instruments and we um, have different techniques that we use with the instruments. And one of the good and helpful things that it um, deals with is, number one, like if someone has a chronic issue, such as like maybe plantar fasciitis or something of that sort, so like pain on the bottom of their foot in the arch, um, one thing that we can do is essentially kind of restart um, the inflammatory process. So with Graston, you're essentially what it looks like is you're just kind of scraping the muscle and kind of digging in there a little bit within the calf and then the foot. So if an injury has become more chronic, so it's been around for quite a while, then you kind of want to restart the inflammatory process in order to allow the tissue to heal again and to lay it down. And you're conjoining that with the other types of therapy. So you're stretching and you're strengthening and so forth. But when the injury becomes chronic, your body tries to heal itself and just lays down tissue to try to do so, but sometimes it's um, laid down and configured more like mixed up spaghetti. And so what we want to do, again, is encourage um, more blood flow to that area by use of the Graston and then using the stretching and strengthening to help repair that area. That's interesting. So the Graston uh, with the instruments, I, I wouldn't, wouldn't picture that, but now I do. You know, at first with a feel-good type of therapy. (laughs) And what about with scar tissue? Can you break some of that up as well? Sometimes, yeah. Um, I don't know if there is great research behind that, but I um, think that it can be helpful in some instances. Dr. Cole, do do all surgeries, uh, the the uh, post-operative stuff, come with uh, scar tissue? No, not necessarily. You know, scar tissue is an interesting one because... I get to ask that a lot, and they're like, "Doctor, what is it? Just scar tissue?" And yep. you know, really, from a patient perspective, they often even know what it is. And you know, scar is overused really, term. Then it's probably improperly used more often than not. Yeah. I mean, it's scar tissue is well, scar will always form after acute injury or surgical intervention, but that doesn't always mean it has a negative effect. And scar is really just poorly organized tissue or collagen. And collagen is what all our stuff is made of, you know. So when there's a healing response or there's injury and then there's a healing response, um, scar can be formed in a very organized fashion and have no problems whatsoever. The the scenarios where scar is an issue is when there's motion loss and stiffness um, and changes in the density or, you know, the quality of the tissue. That can, and it can be obstructive and so forth and get in the way. Those are times when scar, you know, despite doing its best efforts to form organized tissue, can be considered a negative. Uh, so it, it's overused, and it, it, it's often easy to say, yeah, scar tissue, and people, patients walk out of the office and say, well, I have a reason for my problem. I got scar tissue. But the reality <laughs> is that it's not probably the right terminology for the vast majority of the times it's being used. Well, with all the knees you work on, you do sometimes remove scar tissue, sure. correct? Yeah, there are people who You'll are... You'll recognize it in the knee then? and <clears throat> Yeah, there are certain conditions that um, are 
very vulnerable to to create lots, lay down lots of collagen, soft tissue, and scar, and that can result in stiffness. You can't get your extension back. It can scar down the, the patella tendon and so forth, and those are really, really challenging problems, and there's certain subgroups that are more prone to that than others, but um, that's one dramatic example where scar is a very bad thing. Do you scrape it off then? I mean, what, mm. you know, when you, I'm, I'm picturing you yeah. going in, you know, arthroscopically, right, and then you can just scrape it or? When, well, you go in and you typically cut it away. You cut know, it away. You use a small camera and that can use, be used to remove the scar tissue. We do the same thing with, you know, stiff shoulders and things like that after, after you know, say, rotator cuff repair. Fortunately, a rare problem, but when it does happen, it's it can be managed uh, first with therapy. And if that doesn't work, then we consider uh, minimally invasive surgery. All righty. Dr. Brian Cole and Dorothy Cohey from Athletico. Thanks for being with us, Dorothy. And Dr. Cole and I are back with more after this on ESPN Radio. The Chicago Bulls, White Sox, and DePaul Blue Demons rely on Midwest Orthopedics at Rush for advanced orthopedic treatment. So can you. We are the team physicians for these Chicago teams, and we're ready to be on your healthcare team, too. Get expert care from these regional leaders at four Chicagoland locations. Learn more at RushOrtho.com. Midwest Orthopedics at Rush, your world-class team physicians. The best athletes in the world and their medical teams have been trusting Donjoy products for over 30 years. With a goal to protect and return confidence in sport post-injury, Donjoy is the trusted leader to get and keep athletes in action. Whether it's football, basketball, soccer, volleyball, or even the official medical supplier to the U.S. ski team, always trust the global leader in sports medicine. Trust Donjoy, a product of DJOGlobal.com. At Athletico Physical Therapy, we know there is freedom from pain and you can get back to doing the things you love. Whether it's running an 8K, playing a game of tag in the yard, or walking safely to your car, pain should not slow you down. With locations throughout eight states that offer complimentary injury screens, your choice to go with our team is the smart choice. Visit athletico.com to request your complimentary injury screening and start feeling better with us today. Athletico, better for everybody. You're listening to Sports Medicine Weekly with Steve Cashel and Dr. Brian Cole on ESPN 1000. Sports Medicine Weekly has been brought to you by Athletico Physical Therapy, by Midwest Orthopedics at Rush, by Karen Malkin Health Counseling, by Integrated Orthopedics, by Source, by Donjoy Orthopedics, by Midwest, and by ATI Physical Therapy. Many thanks to our producer and board operator, George Katsourilos. Our coordinating producer is Teresa Ann Seeger. We also want to thank David Cole for managing the website and our business operations, as well as Samantha Smith from Midwest Orthopedics at Rush. For Dr. Brian Cole, I'm Steve Cashel saying so long. Thanks for listening to Sports Medicine Weekly here on ESPN 1000. The preceding program was a paid advertisement. The views reflected are not necessarily the views of ESPN 1000.